on today's episode of the Breakaway Match Week edition presented by U.S. Bank. From SB Nation, Alicia Rodriguez comes in talks about the last few matches um, and gives us a broader view of the Pacific Division. And we talk last night's match, and of course we talk about Orange County coming up. I also ask her to give me her favorite three players for Sac Republic so far this season. She does that at, at the tail end. So that's coming up on today's episode of The Breakaway. But first, this financial timeout from U.S. Bank is all about identity theft prevention. There are seven simple habits that can serve as your best defense against identity theft. Number one, review your bank statements. Make sure you recognize all transactions and notify the company if you spot anything that's off. Number two, call your credit card company if a statement is late. Someone could have changed your billing address so you wouldn't notice any additional charges. Number three, Don't give out personal information. Number four, destroy insurance forms, credit card receipts, bank statements, credit card offers, anything that contains personal information. The shredder is your friend. Number five, carry only as many credit cards as you need. Number six, use those blue official post office boxes for outgoing mail. They're safer than your own mailbox. Number seven, review your credit report for accuracy. You're entitled to a free credit report once every 12 months from each of the credit reporting companies. Find even more helpful tips at usbank.com slash financial IQ, equal housing lender, member FDIC. At Oak Grove Charter School, our students chase their dreams. Student Advance at their own pace. EGCS offers flexible schedules, small class sizes, and accelerated learning in a fully accredited learning environment. We help students balance their academic goals while pursuing their passions in club sports, performing arts, entrepreneurship, and much, much more. Elk Grove Charter School is now enrolling. Learn more by going to egcs.egusd.net. Or give us a call at 916-714-1653. We're confident our students will astound you. Hey, Breakaway fans. Shout out to our friends at Suncrest Bank, who not only believe that local matters, they prove it with their support of Sac Republic. When you think about the struggles we've endured over the past year and a half, it's good to know that Suncrest Business Recovery Center is at the backs of local businesses the entire time with PPP, SBA, and agribusiness loans. They're here for the long haul, ensuring our community not only survives, but thrives. Suncrest Bank is where Central Valley turns for personal and business banking needs. Visit any one of their seven locations or online at suncrestbank.com. You can also call them at 916-830-3560 and speak to a Suncrest business account representative today. That's 916-830-3560. And hey, give us an assist. Tell them Connor Sutton sent you. Go Republic. Go Suncrest Bank. The bank where local matters. An equal housing lender. Member FDIC. All right. Let's do it. Welcome to The Breakaway, a Sacramento Republic podcast. Bandit in the box! Unbelievable strike! My goodness, what a defensive play! Half the crowd can't even believe it! All right, Republic FC fans, joining us on the podcast today is from SB Nation, covers your Republic for Indomitable City Soccer, Alicia Rodriguez. Alicia, how are you? Uh, I know you watched the games last night. What were what were your initial thoughts? Yeah, it was a it was a good game. I think uh, Republic played really quite well. They dominated the game. For me, it felt like they dominated the game for the last seventy minutes. I think the first twenty were pretty open, and and they kind of settled in and, and really controlled things. And I mean, they really battered Oakland's goal. Um, Oakland didn't register a shot. I think until the seventy first or seventy second minute of the game. And by that point, uh, I had looked, Sacramento had 15 shots, but they didn't have a lot of shots on target. So I think that that was a little bit indicative of of the issue. Um, 
and yeah, they just couldn't get any of them to go in. And, and it was, it was just one of those nights, you know, and that's why it ended zero, zero. Well, it's so funny. Cause like earlier in the year, we were talking about how just take shots, be a threat outside the box. And I felt like that has happened the last really two matches and, and maybe in spots where like, I remember specifically one instance where Panagos, it was kind of almost a two on one where he got the ball just outside the 18 um, and took a shot, which and it was a good shot, but he did have Cam Iwasa open to the right of him, uh, who maybe would have had an easier look in the two-on-one situation. But it felt like multiple situations where they were taking shots because they were open, and not the whole time, but there was also certain situations where they could have found a, you know, a run and maybe would have had a better look. So, And it's one of those things, right? Like, you weren't getting shots, and now, hey, we got to get shots, get shots, get shots, and, and hopefully they'll convert. But it's, it's kind of a weird balance now, right? And I think after a good performance um, – I mean, it, it felt like the team had energy the whole match. And I feel like that has been some of the issues early on in this season. So that's one positive I wanted to say is energy wise, I did feel like the Republic was was ready to go for this match. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with taking a lot of shots. I think, you know, again, if you're in a slump, you you want right. to encourage, you know, shots because you never know when one of them is going to deflect and, and hit the back of the net and uh, get you, you know, off your schneid a little bit. But um, no, I mean, I, I think the energy was good. I think they can also hang their hats on having a good defensive performance, um, you know, shutting down Oakland to the point where they barely had any chances on, on goal on the night, I think is, is really good. That was one of the things that we thought coming into the season, they were going to be strong in midfield. I think midfield's been a little bit all over the place so far this season. So having uh, a performance here where the defense uh, keeps a clean sheet, but the, the midfield is also pitching in and, and stopping the opponent from getting scoring chances, I think is a really positive sign. I was just going to say, I, I felt like the back line obviously played well, but really they never even got opportunities to get to the back line very often. The, the midfield, especially, uh, I thought defended really well and anticipated um, a lot of passes. And it was funny, you know, especially when you're talking about the second 70 minutes or the, I should say, but the, the 20th minute to the 90th minute, it felt like every time Sacramento lost possession, they scrambled quickly to try to get it back. And um, it felt like it was very successful this match. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would agree. I think they were just livelier than, than Oakland. And when we saw these teams play in Sacramento last time, you know, it was, it, it was really an outlier performance, I think on the season, right. It was that wild three, three draw. We saw some of those last season uh, for Sac Republic, but we didn't, we haven't really seen much like that this year. Um, this time, I think they settled in and, and they, they were really kind of locking it down in the back. And I think uh, given the, the struggles and attack uh, you can't really bank on you know scoring three goals right again right. at this point so uh yeah I, I think um I don't know if they necessarily pressed but they were good about getting into the passing lanes and, and disrupting Oakland and honestly Oakland um were kind, you know really pretty lucky to come away with a point um I wanted to ask you about this too because I saw some stuff on Twitter about it and I, I wasn't paying close enough attention um initially to realize but it did feel like Oakland uh, especially maybe around the 55th, the 60th minute, really decided, all right, we got to park the bus uh, and, and bring um, a couple midfielders really deep. And maybe that's kind of their defensive strategy, right? I know that the draw they had with Austin Bolt early in the season, it was a very similar to this match as you, if you look at the shots number. Do you think that's Oakland's strategy is, hey, we're going to park the bus, not give you easy looks. You'll take a lot of shots, but none of them will be great looks. And then we're going to try and beat you on the counter. Yeah, I think especially on the on the road, that's not a bad idea, especially for an expansion team. Uh, to me, I think Oakland is still trying to figure out who they are in the USL championship. The, they got off to a pretty good start this season. 
Um, I think that they were lively, they were in games, they were picking up results, and um, it's gone a little bit sideways since then. Uh, I don't think they're bad, but I'm not necessarily surprised that they're kind of working through stuff and they're at the bottom of the division right now. Of course, that's partly because they haven't played as many games as everyone else, so we'll have to see what happens in their games in hand. But I, I do think that they're probably trying to figure stuff out at this point, um, trying to calibrate what their uh, the quality of their roster level is right now, kind of like, okay, where do we need to, you know, make upgrades? Where are we strong at? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and so I'm not surprised if they're going to lock it down in the back uh, on the road, try and battle for a point. Um, you know, that, that, that makes sense to me. It's not always the most pretty way to watch uh, a game, but I think pragmatically it makes some sense. Well, they really haven't played any home games either, um, right. which, which is a big factor in that too. So um, I, I, as I know, they've had, you know, some issues. I mean, we, we poked fun at them a little bit at halftime last night, but, um, that, I mean, that has to be a factor, right? You can't really get in front of fans and feel that atmosphere. Um, so I, I'm assuming that's a factor. One of the things I did want to ask about you is, um, Mario Panagos, I thought this is his second, second straight match in the 11. And it felt like this match, he was a little more settled in and you saw flashes. He had like a, a backheel touch to, I think Formella that gave Formella a good opportunity. And I thought Panagos really played well in this match. What were your thoughts on how he played? Yeah, he was really lively. Um, he was active in attack. And I think as, as a midfielder who is more attack-minded, that's something that the, the lineup is screaming out for. They have just so many holding defensive-minded midfielders. And I think in some ways that makes some sense, but you need to have a little bit of balance. And I think that's kind of one of the issues uh, for this team at this point is they just don't have enough of the balance, I think, in the midfield. And so him coming in, um, you know, really getting his legs under him and getting some sustained playing time, I think is not only good for his development, but he is showing some flashes and, and like, like, you know, there, there's moments where he's taking shots. Maybe he could have uh, chosen a, a different option, but I, I like the aggressiveness and I like the fact that he's, um, you know, not afraid to, to mix it up and, and get in there and, and show some flash. And um, I'm pretty excited. I'm glad that he's getting an opportunity. I know he had to wait really um, most of last year to, to really get some playing time. So um, why not give him a chance? And I think he's, uh, he's showing why he should uh, get an opportunity. I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, with the way he played mainly yesterday, he played pretty well on Saturday too, but you know, he hasn't really gotten any run before then. So, um, but after, after yet last night, I do think that he, maybe he's not, you know, in the 11 every match, but definitely, definitely makes it harder for Mark Briggs trying to figure out um, who he's going to put in the 11, especially um, coming into Saturday. Let's take a quick break. Made in the Shade Tent Rentals is your number one choice for tent rentals in Sacramento and throughout Northern California. From concerts and festivals to corporate events, outdoor dining to private special events, construction, manufacturing, or farming, whenever you need shade, whatever the occasion, we've got you covered. Visit MadeShade.com to inquire about options. That's Made, M-A-D-E, Shade.com. All right, let's talk about Orange County coming up on Saturday. They have, I believe, they haven't lost a match in seven matches. They've been playing really well as of, as of late. Um, they've kind of had Sacramento's number a little bit this year, um, and we know how good they can be. They've been pretty consistent as an organization the last few years. Um, what can you tell us about Orange County heading into Saturday's match? Yeah, I think they're feeling good. Um, they came off a scoreless draw themselves on Tuesday, so they'll have an extra day of rest, but uh, really a pretty similar situation to what Sacramento uh, had midweek. Um, but yeah, the, the contrast is that Orange County is feeling good. They're, you know, <clears throat> they're on this unbeaten run. Uh, Sacramento is kind of really pretty desperate for a win at this point. So 
Um, I think the mindset is going to be pretty different between these teams. Having said all that, I think while Orange County uh, deserves their, their place in the standings and, you know, they've been good value for their results and everything, um, I don't think they're like untouchable at this point. I think that they're a team that um, is really kind of perfecting a brand where they take a, a goal lead and then they lock it down. Um, and that opens up an opportunity if a, a team could take advantage to get that equalizer, get a get a second quick goal. They had that happen to them against uh, LA Galaxy 2. They got into a shootout and, and Galaxy 2 got a late win against them. And I think that might've been their last loss actually. Um, so they're, the way that Orange County plays, I think is probably a pretty good brand for, you know, making, potentially making a deep run in the playoffs. But having said that, I don't think that they're going to be a team that they're going to put five goals up on you and just completely demoralize you like Phoenix does. I think it's going to be a grind. And I think that um, even if they do take a lead, Sacramento has to feel like they have an opportunity to get back in the game. If they can, you know, get that equalizer, they can put them back on their heels a little bit. Um, or, you know, if they take the lead, you know, that's something that Orange County hasn't been really dealing with a whole ton this season. So if, if Sacramento can take a lead uh, and kind of continue to put pressure on Orange County, that's an opportunity for uh, Sacramento to get a result as well. I do feel like if Sacramento can just find a way to get a goal early in yeah. this match, it'll bode well for them, right? Because, and I've said it um, a couple times this last week, is how important this little stretch is because of where Sacramento's at at the table. Um, the draw on Saturday, the way they did it, maybe that's a momentum change. Couldn't get a win last night. Uh, couldn't get a goal last night. Uh, but this is probably the biggest one you have. And then Vegas next Wednesday, which, um, you know, they're struggling uh, as of late. Um, but I did, I did want to ask you about the Orange County game against Tacoma because they, Tacoma is, I don't really know what to, we haven't played Tacoma, so I haven't got to watch it, but I hadn't really known what to expect. They drew with Orange County nil-nil on Tuesday. Um, but when you talk about Tacoma and comparing them to Orange County in that match, what were you seeing, I guess, from the Orange County side and, you know, why weren't they able to get a goal? I think Tacoma is uh, probably a pretty good matchup for Orange County. They mm -hmm. beat them on Orange County's opening game um, right. as well. So they've already picked up four points off uh, Orange County this season. Um, you know, obviously as an MLS two team, Tacoma is going to be inconsistent. Like they're not going to, you know, be at the top of the standings, but I do think they're a tough out. They're not going to be a team that um, game after game rolls over and, and, you know, every other team gets to pick off points from them. I think they're actually pretty solid um they're very young but they it's a group that I think most of the guys have been playing together for quite a while so they have that understanding it's, it's kind of similar to Galaxy 2 I think in in that they've they know the system they've been playing together for a while um there's going to be some useful uh mistakes made along the way but they can um you know easily take a win off pretty much anyone um and so I, I don't think it's a, they're a team that um you know I, I don't think we could say that they're probably going to be in contention to win the division, but I would not be surprised if they're kind of hovering around playoff contention for a good chunk of the season. Cause I actually do think that they're, they're quite good. Um, and they could make a run along the way. If, if the Sounders are strong and if they're playing well and they're deep, they don't have a lot of guys missing. You see guys play for Tacoma instead. Uh, if they get into a rhythm, you know, I would not be shocked if, if, if they end up uh, making a little bit of a run uh, down the stretch. Um, so, yeah, so I, I don't think, uh, you know, obviously Sacramento played Tacoma a bunch of times last season. They were a tough out last season as well. So yeah. I, I think it's more of the same. And I think Tacoma has actually improved this year. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, we haven't, it's weird. The schedule has worked. We haven't yeah. played Tacoma yet. We had to play them four times. Um, so that'll be, it'll feel like we play them four times in like a month. 
Right. So I don't feel like we'll play him a lot. But um, okay, so I wanted to ask one more thing. Um, and this is just an eye test, something that I noticed last night, and it kind of got me thinking. So I figured I would ask you, someone who knows far more about the game than I do. Um, there was multiple times last night. So Sacramento has been playing the ball wide a lot, um, trying to get crosses in, trying to get guys into the box. Um, and I felt like there were certain situations where maybe they could have gone central and made a run um, and try to go over the top. Did you notice that at all? Is that just me being a dumb soccer fan who, who you know, <laughs> maybe doesn't understand the strategy of how Sacramento is trying to score right? No, I don't think it's dumb at all. In fact, I think that we're seeing a trend right now in the game where either teams are playing over the top or through balls, like down the center, or they're playing mostly wide. Uh, to me, it looks like Sacramento's playing mostly wide, you know, so you kind of uh, go outside and then try and cut in, usually with cutbacks or low crosses. Um, it looks like that's what Sacramento is trying to do with their patterns of play. Um, and then, you know, if that works and if you kind of get into a rhythm there, then maybe you can branch out a little bit. But they're kind of stuck at, at, you know, the, the, the first building block trying to build on that and, and they're not finding a ton of action. Um, it, to me, those are kind of like, if you're looking at the game in a meta way, those are, I think are the two main um, trends that we're seeing in the game right now is either going straight down the middle, trying to move as fast as possible or playing a little bit more of a buildup and, and uh, working it out wide and then trying to bring it inside in the final third. Um, I don't think there's necessarily one approach that's better than the other. And I don't necessarily think that, uh, you know, there's um, anything bad about, e you know, either way. There's a lot of people who I think um, aesthetically like the build up a little bit better than the vertical game. Although I think the vertical game is pretty popular and a lot of really good teams use an extremely vertical game these days. So, uh, you know, to me, there's no judgment really either way, but uh, yeah, I think um, they're definitely trying to get it out wide and not necessarily a, a chalk on your boots, get to the sideline and then cross, do a looping cross in um, like we maybe saw 15, 20 years ago, but um, a little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more of a link up play, uh, trying to get players to touch the ball and and work it in, um, but got to get the ball in the net, and that's the important. Well, actually, I'm thinking about it a little bit more now that I said that, and it does feel like in the first half, Sacramento was playing a little more central, and then in the second half, I think maybe when Oakland started to park the bus a little bit, they realized they were they were not going to be able to get anywhere um, in the middle, and that's when they started going out wide. I just was curious if that was just something I was seeing or if you were seeing it as well. Um, this is my last question for you, and uh, I, I mean, I'm excited for Saturday's match, but with it, with with it seems like everybody's playing a lot of matches right now, and depth has been so important. I want to ask you, who do you think, you know, has been Sacramento's three best players so far this year? And I know that's a tough question to ask because, um, you know, there's been a lot of different situations uh, throughout the year for Sacramento. But just give me your top three of who you think Sacramento's three best players have been so far this year. Uh, Tomas Gomez, I think, has been really pretty consistent, um, and I don't think that there's been games where you say oh, he, he was at fault on the goal or, you know, he let in a, right. a howler or anything like that. So I think that's an easy choice. Uh, Shannon Gomez, I think, has been really pretty strong as well. Um, I think this season he's taken a step up, and I think that the uh, the system that they're playing, which is more wingback oriented instead of fullback oriented, I think really suits him. And honestly, he's looked the best that I've seen him in his pro career to date. Third one, um, yeah, I think uh, then we get a little bit more kind of amorphous. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, Derek Formella hasn't been nearly as productive, uh, obviously, as he was last year. Last year, he was the only, you know, really consistent scorer for the team. Um, but you still see all the flashes of uh, the talent that he brings and, and why Mark Briggs has so much 
uh, trust in him. But also, you know, instead of last year, he was scoring a, a brace here, a brace there. Uh, he's not getting the ball in the net, but he's he's getting a lot of uh, opportunities, a lot of near misses, forcing saves from goalkeepers. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, he's off to a pretty good start in spite of the, the rough start for the, the team overall. Um, I think he's the standout so far in attack. All right. I like it. Well, uh, I'm excited. We'll, we'll have, we'll talk to you later in the season. I want to add, I'll ask you later. Uh, maybe I'll do it now. All right. I said I had one more question, but I'm going to ask you now. I wanted to talk, I, how do you think, I haven't talked to you in a while. So I'm curious, how do you think Sacramento matched up with Phoenix in those two matches? Because uh, I felt like they played pretty well in those, obviously the man down um, hurt them, but they play with a lot of fire. But I do feel like compared to other teams and maybe Sac just Phoenix isn't as touchable or, or isn't as untouchable as they have been in the past. It does feel like Sacramento matched up really well and played well against them. Yeah, I totally agree. I think they, they match up really quite well with uh, Phoenix. And I agree that while Phoenix, I think Phoenix has the advantage of they walk into some games and their opponent is sort of like shaking in their boots a little bit, like, Oh, they're going to put four goals on us. You know, Oh, this is going to be horrible. We're in for a rough night. I think Sacramento has not come in with that approach. I think they've been like, you know what, we're not actually any worse than they are. Like, we're, you know, we can we can go toe to toe with them. We saw it in the playoffs. You know, they're not, uh, you know, completely out of reach for us. And I think they did play them really well. But in those games, I think it was down to, you know, a momentary lapse, a, a mistake, a defensive mistake or a red card that, you know, proved really costly, obviously. Um, and, and those were kind of the margins on, on the night. And I think that that's kind of where, the teams are uh, separated at this point. It's just Phoenix has a few more game changers. You know, Solomon Asante has been consistently so strong. Santi Moir, uh, you know, he's a fiery guy, but he is uh, really quite talented. And they have a few other guys who I think can can pitch in here and there. Uh, and Sacramento hasn't quite got, you know, the guys who who are really firing and, and have that killer instinct to, to kill off a game at this point. And if they can get there, then I think they can, you know, even up the series and, and, and really kind of uh, compete uh, consistently at the top of the standings with, with Phoenix, but it's a matter of, of finding that, that last gear, that killer instinct to, to really, really go toe to toe with them. That's a great point. That's a great point. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Lisa. You can follow her on Twitter at soccer musings uh, covers. I forget the number because it's always so high. It's like 12 teams, not on the USL championship. Is that pretty close? Yeah, I, I haven't even caught, uh, counted in a while, so I'm not even sure at this point, okay. but uh, yeah. Yeah, follow her on Twitter, and then also uh, you can read her work on SB Nation's website, Indomitable City Soccer. Thank you so much, Alicia. No worries. Thank you so much for having me on again. Our thanks to Alicia Rodriguez for jumping on the podcast once again. She always provides great insight, great content for us. Uh, we appreciate it a ton. Thanks to U.S. Bank for being our presenting partner of this podcast and coming up Saturday night, Republic take on Orange County SC at home in Hard Health Park. You can grab your tickets still at SacRepublicFC.com. Single match tickets. Um, it's going to be a fun one, a big one for Sac Republic. Needing to get three points, looking to get a big result, trying to move their way up the table. And then next Wednesday, they will take on Las Vegas on the road in Vegas. It'll be the third match in nine days on Saturday and the fourth match in 12 next Wednesday. So busy, busy stretch for the club. Uh, but we appreciate you guys for following this podcast. Uh, and please tune in to the match on Saturday night. If you're not going to be in the building, you can watch it on ESPN+, Plus, KQCA, My58, or Estrella TV. That's it for the podcast. Thank you guys for your support. We appreciate it as always. 
And of course, go Republic.